When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we got through bowl season. We are covering the dominant conference of bowl season. But first of all, Happy New Year, sir. How, uh, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. The ACC is the dominant conference of bowl season. Can you believe we're saying that? It it's, is lit, Mike. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That's what the kids are saying, right? Yeah, right. It's lit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty exciting for, uh, for the ACC. Uh, I, I mean, it, it was a tough... I don't want to say a tough year, but it was a year in which, you know, a lot of people had Florida State ranked pretty high, and Florida State didn't end up being the team we thought they'd be. So, I don't know. I mean, top to bottom, it was a pretty consistent conference this year, and I think it just kind of speaks to the success that the ACC's had here in bowl season. They've really had a good year overall. We kind of had an inkling that what we were getting out of the ACC in terms of quarterback play and in terms of just overall play, how they'd done an out-of-conference play throughout the year – that this is not this is not your daddy's ACC conference, right? Like right. this is this is the ACC version 2.0. I mean, they are this is a little different from what we're used to over the last several years, and uh, I think the results are definitely showing off here in bowl season. Obviously, some things can kind of get wonky again with coaches leaving and motivation and all that, but nonetheless, I mean, 11 bowl games, eight wins—that's a strong showing from the conference. Yeah, and you have a team in the in the national championship game, of course, as well. So. Um... You know, having Clemson play as well as they have all year and get to a national title game is huge for the ACC. Absolutely. And we'll get there later. Uh, first, Mike, we got to start out by recapping these bowls. So we did a preview for each of them in two parts, really. The, the first part was the first six games that went all the way up through the Virginia Tech-Arkansas game. The second part was the final five that covered the, uh, the playoff game, the New Year's Six game, and the uh, final three on the 30th and the 31st. So we're going to recap these in those same segments, um, maybe not necessarily in the same order, but uh, we're going to start here with our, our bowl recap of the, the first six games of bowl season for the ACC. And I want to start, Mike, with your Virginia Tech Hokies, the number two Hokies, 35, the Arkansas Razorbacks, 24. It was a comfortable win for the Hokies. It was never in doubt. Just overall, a, a really strong and comfortable performance uh, from Blacksburg, right, Mike? Yeah, that's exactly how it went, right? Um, yeah, it was uh, a tale of two halves uh, for Virginia Tech. Obviously, you come out and basically don't even play in the first half. Second half was obviously quite different for some turnovers. I actually texted you at the half. I said, hey, man, um, Virginia Tech, I don't know really what they're doing, but I feel like they might be able to get back into it. And your response was, uh Maybe, like, a lot of really good things have to happen. They, they turn over Austin Allen a bunch in the second half. Obviously, a turnover right after halftime, scoring within the first couple of minutes. That was huge. 
Uh, for Virginia Tech, it was just a momentum game. It was a game in which they had a bunch of momentum swings, and um, you know, for for the Hokies to really turn it around there in the second half speaks to kind of the team they've been all season long and the ability of Justin Fuente to uh, get his guys ready to play. So, you know, a, a great win for Virginia Tech. You know, I, I thought the running game, uh, especially in the second half, really started to take over. I thought Trayvon, Trayvon McMillan was huge. Sherrod Evans obviously had a huge game, and I thought Cam Phillips playing the way that he did, uh, winning bowl game MVP, having 115 yards receiving, I thought that was huge as well for the Hokies. So just a really, really good win for Virginia Tech and a springboard in the next season. It was really a, a – this is maybe one of the most wild games of the bowl season, Mike. As you mentioned – Virginia Tech was down 24 to nothing. They were absolutely dead in the water at halftime. Yep. And um, for for a game where they were favored by a touchdown, and, and I think everybody was very confused kind of at what they were watching. Uh, in the first half, Virginia Tech turned the ball over two times. They fumbled. They threw a pick. They turned it over on downs two more times. They punted several times. They could get nothing going, really. Uh, they could not sustain drives at all. And meanwhile, Arkansas kind of finds finds some success on offense. They get some short fields that helped out. And it, it looked like Virginia Tech was just about done. And then they come out of halftime, and it was like an entirely different team, Mike. Yep. It, I mean, the defense was on fire. They were absolutely just harassing the Arkansas offense the, the entire rest of the game. The, the offense caught fire. Uh, they score f- touchdowns, you know, on five drives in the second half. Uh 21 points in the third quarter to basically close it. And there was, I think it was late in the third quarter, there was just a huge momentum shift where you could tell that they had Arkansas on their heels and it, it was, it turned into a little bit of a blowout. And so as much as an 11 point win, I mean, that was comfortable in, in the final score sense, but it looked real bad for a while. And then it turned into just, you know, a, a total route in the second half by Virginia Tech. Arkansas, up 24 nothing at the half. Virginia Tech scores 35 unanswered after halftime to win the game. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. That was bizarre. It was just a complete, uh, you know, a complete swing from start to finish as far as the game was concerned. It never really seemed like um, Arkansas could pull away. They were really trying to pull away um, in the second half, but um, or, or at the end of the first half, excuse me, but you know, Virginia Tech was able to bounce right back, and um, I was really impressed with how the Hokies came out. It was an entirely different team in the second half, I thought. It ended up being a pretty decent rushing performance on the day for the Hokies. Uh, Gerard en- Evans ends up with 22 carries for 87 yards and two touchdowns. He also had he went 21 of 33 through the air with 243, two touchdowns, and that one pick in the first half. Um, really, again, it was a tale of two halves. He was pretty bad in the first half and pretty excellent in the second half. Yep. Got a lot of help from Cam Phillips, six catches for 115 yards. Uh, Sam Rogers caught a touchdown pass. That was a pretty acrobatic catch, I thought. Um, Isaiah Ford, two catches, 14 yards. So you would have expected a little more from him. But the Hokies' defense also held down Arkansas 34 carries for 36 yards for the Hogs on the day. That's that's quite the stat line and quite the, the tribute to Bud Foster's defense, who, again, they, they really turned it up in the second half. So... Uh, strong win here for, for Virginia Tech, Mike. Uh, really impressive. And, and I mean, what, what does that show you that Virginia Tech is able to come out of halftime down 24 points with nothing working in their favor and just 
totally run away with the game in the second half. Uh, it speaks to the character of the Hokies as far as uh, Gerard Evans is concerned. Um, having him come out and play the way that he did, um, I, I think you know when you can when you look at um, Bud Foster too on defense, having his guys come out and really just play an entirely different game in the second half. I thought that was huge as well. Uh, getting a different pass rush on Austin Allen. The Hokies looked a little bit confused defensively in the first half, but they were able to turn it around rather quickly once they were able to get pressure on Austin Allen. It seemed like Arkansas's offensive line didn't really hold up as well as I thought it would in the second half, considering the way that they played in the first half. But I thought Virginia Tech's defense um, was the real difference in this football game. Um, you know, the linebackers played great. Um, I thought the secondary played well. Um, also, but I think the pass rush in the second half made the real difference in this one. It was the reason why Virginia Tech was able to come out with a win. Hokies 35, Arkansas 24, Mike, and that was the Belk Bowl from Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't think we mentioned that before. Let's move on here to the Miami Hurricanes 31, the number 16 West Virginia Mountaineers 14. This is in the Russell Athletic Bowl from world-famous Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida. Uh, This was another one where the the Hurricanes kind of started this game out a little slow, Mike. I mean, they basically could not get a first down in the first quarter, and they were down 7 nothing. And then all of a sudden, with a, a quick little, you know, sideline pass to Amon Richards, it was like a three or four yard down the field kind of thing. Richards slips a couple tackles and runs all the way down the field for a touchdown, and that really sparked the Miami offense. The following two play, following two drives went 11 plays and two touchdowns. Um, 59 and 70 yards respectively. So that really caused the spark that turned this game and it ended up in a pretty strong win, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Miami, it was really interesting watching them in this game uh, because like you said, they did start out slow, but I thought the defense played really well throughout. Skylar Howard had a heck of a time. They really liked to run him and throw him in the West Virginia offense. They, they couldn't really do either of those early on, um, I, I, or really at all throughout the entire game. He only went 17 of 26 for 134 yards in the game. He had 63 yards rushing and a touchdown, but he really struggled to get going. I thought Miami's defense did a great job containing him, and he, you know he's really, uh, I, I hate cliches, but he's the straw that stirs the drink, you know what I mean? Uh, he's the guy in the West Virginia offense that is – really the catalyst for him and when he couldn't get going you saw the rest of West Virginia really struggle um yeah well the team and the state I guess uh Martel Petaway three carries 16 yards Justin Crawford six carries 16 yards um as a team if you include Skylar Howard 63 yards rushing 39 carries for 95 yards that's two and a half yards a carry Miami was all over West Virginia's running game the entire way and they slowed them down the pass game as well they made West Virginia one-dimensional which is so hard to do because they have so many playmakers on offense but you slow down Skylar Howard you slow down West Virginia and that's what Miami did so you know obviously for Miami to start as slow as they did and for Brad Kai to really catch fire especially um, in, in the second quarter and then in the third as well ends up throwing four touchdown passes goes for 280 yards and now goes to the NFL draft as a result of his play uh, really just in the bowl game and, and how he played in the last month of the season so uh, really impressed with Miami and the way they performed on both sides of the football even though it was a slow start offensively the defense was solid throughout and the offense really started to pick things up uh, late in the first half and on to the second half and really what ended up being a very very dominant win I was impressed like you said with the Miami defense in particular because as you mentioned I mean West Virginia is a solid offensive team I mean that it, it 
it is no small feat to kind of hold down that offense and keep them off the scoreboard. And especially in the passing game, Miami did just that. Uh, Skylar Howard ends up 17 to 26, but only 134 yards, no touchdowns. It was a struggle for West Virginia getting going in this game. And you could just see the, the, the frustration boiling over with Dana Holgerson and the, on the sideline there. And just, it was just an impressive showing uh, by this Manny Diaz defense from, from Miami. And so I think that's, one of the big takeaways. And the other one, as you mentioned, Brad Kaya, really strong. Uh, there were four drives in the middle of the game, second quarter, and to open the second half. Uh, they go four touchdowns. You know, all efficient and explosive drives. You know, the, the longest one of them, play count-wise, was eight plays. And every single one of them got at least 50 yards. I mean, I think that's that's pretty yeah. strong. Um, and that went from a 7 nothing West Virginia lead to a, you know, a, a 21-28-7 uh, Miami leads. So I, a lot of good stuff to like here. As you mentioned, Brad Kaya has declared for the NFL draft. He and David Njoku are both going. Uh, so there's going to be some, some pieces that Mark Richt is going to have to replace in Miami here. But I, I got to think that at nine and four and with where they ended up at the end of the year, this is a pretty successful year one for Miami of this new coaching screen, coaching regime. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, especially considering how the month of October went for them. Um, after a strong start in September against, you know, one of the softest schedules I've ever seen. They played like four Florida schools you've never heard of. That really helps Miami. Um, but then you get to October, you, you hit a snag, you struggle a little bit. But to close the season the way they did, especially win the bowl game against West Virginia the way they did, it's a nice springboard for Miami, even though they have to, you know, replace some key offensive talent um, uh, there on that side of the ball. But I thought defensively, uh, you can obviously – take what you got on that side of the ball that the front seven especially which is extremely young and you kind of take what you learned in the final five weeks of the year and try to put it together next year for an entire season because if they get some decent quarterback play they'll have as good a chance as anybody to win the coastal next year so uh, you know defensively they need to continue to um, continue to improve get better in the offseason and um, you know hopefully take the next step to become real contenders in the coastal division next year Miami 31, West Virginia 14. Let's move on, Mike. Uh, there's a, this is another team that's a little bit in transition in a sense, and that's the Pittsburgh Panthers. They they fall victim here to Northwestern in the New Era Pinstripe Bowl from Yankee Stadium. Uh, Northwestern 31, Pittsburgh 24. This was if, – if you just told me up front that this was going to be the outcome of the game, I'd be very confused and really not sure of how they got here. I think it's worth mentioning that – Pittsburgh suffered about every devastating injury in the book that they could suffer suffer in this game. Nate Peterman leaves the game. James Conner leaves the game. Uh, they had one of their – probably their best offensive linemen leaves the game. Uh, the defense kind of got banged up a little bit. So there was a lot of, a lot of attrition here. Um, and, and just a frustrating, frustrating game for Pittsburgh. But um, – I, I thought it a reasonably honorable showing, but not really a loss that for the ACC you could really look at and say, you know, I don't know how that happened. Like, at this point, it's very obvious how it happened, Mike. Yeah, your entire team gets hurt. That's what happens. But it was very frustrating nonetheless because I thought Pittsburgh, uh, you know, through about halfway through the second quarter, I know it was a tight game, but it felt like they were kind of in control. And then all the injuries start happening. Uh, James Conner, Peterman, like you said offensive lineman gets hurt they had some guys on defense go down it, you know they were just consistently getting hurt in this game it, it was like northwestern could 
you know, basically do anything in the book to try to keep Pittsburgh in it. And Pittsburgh was doing their best to just hand the game to Northwestern with all the injuries that they had. Um, I, I thought Peterman played fine when he was in, 253 and a touchdown on 18 passes. That's decent. But, but I think what it really comes down to is Pittsburgh could never really stop Justin Jackson of Northwestern in the running game. 225 yards rushing, three scores on the day. That's really the story I'm going to remember uh, from this bowl game here in the Pinstripe Bowl because even though Pittsburgh had all the injuries on the offensive side of the ball, ultimately they lost the game on defense and being unable to stop the run. Usually with Pitt, it's having trouble stopping the pass, but it was quite the opposite here in the bowl game. It seemed like you know the pass defense was fine. Playing Northwestern helps in that regard, I guess. But Justin Jackson just tore them apart in the running game. Northwestern just kept going to him. He had 32 carries. Northwestern knew uh, Pat Fitzgerald, you know, offensively they were looking at and saying, look, Pittsburgh is not going to stop us. Uh, We can line up right against them, and they're not going to be able to even slow us down. And they showed that. Um, And ultimately that's why Pittsburgh lost this game. So a lot of Panthers fans, especially on Twitter, Joey, as we love to say, they were mad online after this game. Yeah, well, our entire team was hurt. Yes, that's true, but you also gave up 225 yards rushing to arguably Northwestern, maybe even not arguably, just Northwestern's best offensive player, who you obviously game plan for. So that's that's a failure of the Pittsburgh coaching staff defensively and not get their team ready enough here uh, to to win. <coughs> sorry, to win the football game. So before I die, I'll hand it back over to you. I kind of just don't understand how. Northwestern was able to do this. I mean, Pittsburgh has been a solid rushing defense all year. Northwestern has been average at best running the football. Uh, This is only their fourth game of the season going over 200 yards rushing as a team. And here, Justin Jackson, like you mentioned, 32 carries for 224 just by himself and three touchdowns. Um, I was really kind of shocked that Pitt did not have any sort of answer for that. Um, So that was... Again, that was just kind of mind-boggling, kind of confusing for me. Um, Nate Peterman, as you mentioned, was fine in this game. 13 of 18 for 253, a touchdown and a pick. That's pretty good. Problem is that when he went out, they had to replace him with one Ben DiNucci. Uh, everybody loves Ben DiNucci, Mike. Um, he looked okay for a minute. Yeah, uh, he completed three of his passes. Problem was he threw nine, and I really should say he, he actually completed five of them, but the problem is that he completed two of them to Northwestern players. So Whoops. That wasn't good. Three for nine for 16 yards, but he did get a touchdown too. So, uh, I mean, it could have been worse. Um, I don't know. This was not this was not great from Pittsburgh, but I, I don't know that anyone's blaming Pittsburgh or, you know, if, if, if Pittsburgh fans feel the need to, like, defend themselves in this loss, like, don't bother. Like, we get it. We understand why the Panthers lost this game. Um, this this all just all around kind of turned into a little bit of a, a crappy day for Pittsburgh, and uh, sometimes that happens. It Who would happens. have thought that Pittsburgh actually needed Chad Voidick, huh? Oof! Remember Chad Voidick? Oh, those were days. <laughs> actually, lost his job to Peterman. That's how bad he was. They could have used him in this game, though. Oh, they sure could have. That he he would have come in major handy here. Um, Mike, I got to tell you, this game, I. I started out the bowl season with some poor luck in terms of uh, gambling. This game I had Pitt to cover seven, or no, no, to cover three, and uh, this game to go over 60-some points. I think I think it was like 62, 63 points. And I, I put on Twitter before the game, like, this is my bet, and if, if I don't get these, I'm done betting on these bowl games. Because I think a lot of people done. had really bad bowl betting luck this year. 
wasn't great. No, it was not good. And uh, sure enough, Pitt did not cover that spread, nor did this game go over. And so this is the last game I bet on in bowl season, and it left a very poor taste in my mouth. Uh, yeah, I mean, next year we can just pray that if we're going to bet on Pittsburgh, they can stop a nosebleed on defense. I think that would help. <laughs> Which, I mean, usually they can. Actually, I'm, I'm really curious now. I'm going to go look this up. When is the last time that a team had more rushing yards than passing yards against Pittsburgh's defense? Let's find out. That is a nice research project. Because Pittsburgh's rushing defense, honestly, has... I mean, it has been great, but it hasn't been terrible. I mean, Pittsburgh's rushing rushing defense, I mean, they got the athletes up front. It's the passing defense. I, heck, I mean, their passing defense, their secondary has the athletes and has the talent. They just can never really seem to stop anybody. Mike, this was the most rushing yards that Pittsburgh has allowed all year. There you go. And it was to freaking Northwestern. Um, there has been one other game this season, and if you think about it for a second, you will get it where a team has rushed against Pittsburgh for more yards than they have thrown, do you have any guesses on who that would be? No idea. It's a coastal team. I am wearing the sweatshirt of this team right now. Georgia Tech. It is my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who threw for 130 and rushed for 241. They're the only other team outside of Northwestern to pass for more for fewer yards than they rush for against this Pittsburgh defense this year. So, yeah, this is a bit of a clunker for the for the Panthers, but stuff happens, and uh, you'll get them next year. I got faith in you, Pittsburgh, whether I should or not. Yeah, you think a Pat Narduzzi defense will be well coached, but I guess not. That continues to be one of the weirdest storylines of the college football season, but we should probably move on. And, all right, we got to give someone their due, Mike. We came on this preview show, and we totally dumped all over Wake Forest and how they ended the season, and then they had to go play a grown-up version of themselves in Temple, and it might get ugly, and it was going to be bad. Except when it didn't. Except Yeah, except when it wasn't, and uh, Wake Forest was up 31-10 to 10 at halftime. Uh, life comes at you fast, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, the Demon Deacons go on to win this game 34-26. That's the Military Bowl presented by Northrop Grumman uh, from Annapolis, Maryland. This game, John Walford started the game in the first half. He went out at the very beginning of the second half. He got an injury. But in the first half, John Walford, and sit down if you're not sitting, Mike, but you're going to want to hear this. He was 10 for 19 for 183 and two touchdowns. Oh my God, John Walford! What on? I don't know what got into Wake Forest and John Walford in this game, but he he basically there were there were only three games all year that he passed for more yards than he did in the first half against a really good Temple defense. So I have no idea what what happened here. Um, I, I was not going to watch this game just expecting it was going to be ugly, and then somebody flipped it on at a you know little get together I was at at like halftime, and I was like, wait. Wait, what? Like, how, how are they up by three touchdowns on a solid Temple team? I don't know. This was a crazy game, Mike. Did you get a chance to watch? So which team was more distracted? Uh, I guess it was Temple losing Matt Rule instead of Wake Forest uh, losing their radio guy. Who knew? Um, <laughs> Philip Walker of Temple, the, the thing that really surprises me is they were getting blown out of this game, and he threw for 400 yards. So... I guess he just padded his stats late. It was, ah, God. 
th- there are so many weird weird elements going on with this stat line. I mean, Wake Forest jumping out to the lead that they had. Uh, I actually thought the difference maker for Wake Forest in this game was Cade Carney at running back. He only had 71 yards rushing and a touchdown, but he picked up a couple of really, really tough first downs, especially in the second half when Wake Forest was trying their best to not make any mistakes, which is obviously pretty difficult when John Walford's your quarterback. Um, they were trying really, really hard to just run the ball, control the clock. They did a pretty nice job of it because I thought Cade Carney had a good game. They are running the ball, and I thought Matt Colburn was very good as well. He had 60 yards rushing and a touchdown. So the two of them um, going for nearly 100 or 130 yards between the two of them, uh, you take away the John Walford sacks, and you're over 130 as a team rushing couple scores John Walford throws a couple touchdowns I mean there you go that's enough so I mean Wake Forest offensively I I didn't see them scoring 34 points I think you know on the preview we'd have to go back and it's been a couple weeks now since we uh, previewed this game but I believe on the preview you and I said well Wake Forest is going to have trouble getting in the mid-20s if they get in the mid-20s they're probably going to have a shot to win this game. Well, Temple scored 26, so Wake Forest definitely would have had a shot to win if they were in the mid-20s. But the joke's on us because they end up scoring 34 points and winning the game. Mike, this is going to shock you, but this was Temple's uh, Temple's worst rushing performance of the year. Uh, the Demon Deacons held the Owls to minus 20 rushing yards in this game. Uh, if you take out you know, the four sacks from P.J. Walker, for Temple, he ended up with seven carries for minus fifty-four yards. Is that is that bad? <laughs> not good. Is that that's not good? No, um, not good, Bob. Temple, I mean, has generally been a good rushing team this year. They've they've you know gotten over a hundred yards in you know most of their games, gone over two hundred yards in several, uh, even went over three hundred yards against South Florida, which is something. And in this game, they failed to break even, and that that's kind of just crazy to me. I don't know how this happened. Um, strong performance, obviously, from the Wake Forest defense. Uh, they, they figure to be under new new management here soon as they lose their defensive coordinator to Notre Dame. But, yeah, this was solid top to bottom for Wake Forest. You know, bouncing back from, as you mentioned, a, a really distracting week, you know, with the the whole Wakey Leaks and or Woke Forest scandal that was going on. Um, for them to Stay come, woke. That's right. For them to like stay focused and and show up for this game was really impressive. I thought and a good showing for Dave Doran, not Dave Doran, not Dave Doran, Dave Clawson, the other Dave in the Atlantic. Oops, sorry. Carolina NCAA. schools, man. Yeah, <laughs> those Carolina schools. Dave Clawson also a little side note got himself an eight-year contract extension yesterday. Wow! So you win the win the bowl game, get some stability. Hopefully, it doesn't turn into a uh, Charlie Weiss type contract for Wake Forest. Like that I, would be I, unfortunate. I, uh, let's just say I got a bad feeling about this one, Mike. I, I do as well. I mean, eight-year contract for a coach that just went seven and six. Yeah, and had to uh, beat Vanderbilt and, I guess, beat UNC. He had to beat UNC the last weekend of the year just to get there. He found a way to do mm-hmm. it. That's impressive, legitimately. But, mm-hmm. I mean, with a loss to Boston College in there, like, mm. I don't know this. The seven-win season is not exactly, uh, you know, the the rock on which he wants to build his program. I don't think. So, uh, okay. Go wake. Okay, wake. NC State. Yeah, go wake. Good yeah. stuff. Okay. Ready to move on, Mike? Let's do it. That's good because we got to talk about the Wolfpack, who came back from Shreveport, Louisiana, the Independence Bowl, 
Also presented by Camping World. Since when is Camping World like the main sponsor of everything college football bowl season? Never been to a Camping World in my entire life. I, I literally didn't know what that was until I looked it up on the internet. Apparently it's just basically a Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, I was going to say. So is it Bass Pro Shops? Is like Redhead, Stepchild? What is it? That's, I guess not because they have all the bowl games. So <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is like their main method of advertisement is naming the stadium that they play the Citrus Bowl in and owning the independence i don't know surprise wolfpack 41 vanderbilt 17 this game was kind of just totally a route mike uh it was 14-3 at halftime and then uh it was 28 to 10 after three quarters this was never particularly close once nc state got rolling ryan finley 19 to 30 235 and three touchdowns uh 36 carries for 141 yards go for the wolfpack matt day is only nine carries but gets 47 yards out of him Huge game for Jalen Samuels. Six catches, 104 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, not a whole lot of complaints here if you're uh, if you're an NC State fan, Mike. Uh, no, Kyle Shermer for Vanderbilt, really, really bad. 158 yards, three picks. Thank you for the free points. That explains and, a lot. Yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot to say about this game, uh, to your point. Yeah, Matt Day's 47 yards rushing, like you said. Uh, Gillespie had a touchdown. He only had 26 yards rushing, though. NC State's offense was entirely made up of throwing the ball to Jalen Samuels, who broke a couple of long receptions loose, had 104 yards receiving and three scores, and that's really all she wrote because Vanderbilt's offense was unwatchable in this game. So um, Ralph Webb actually ran the ball decently for Vanderbilt. The issue was that they just kept turning it over. So when you're going to give NC State the ball that much and Finley's just going to throw all over your defense, it's not necessarily a recipe for success. So 41-17, NC State, even when NC State was trailing early in this game, uh, I think they I think they were trailing by like a field goal at the end of the first quarter um, without looking at it. Um, I don't know. I mean, NC State came storming really the last three quarters out of the gates um i thought they played really well down the stretch and put together a really really consistent performance in the second half especially uh to pull away from vanderbilt and win the game but ah man it was just it was a terrible terrible uh display of offense by the commodores uh you got to throw the ball better than that it just offensive line had issues Shermer was hitting defenders in the numbers it just wasn't good worth mentioning as well here the nc state defense finished the year very very strong. Uh, I, I was pretty impressed with them in this game. Vanderbilt's offense is not, you know, not anything really to write home about, but I mean, they can score some points on, on teams. And I mean, they put up something like almost 40 points, I think against uh, Tennessee and such. The NC state defense comes away with this game from this game with five sacks and seven tackles for loss. That's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, they caused a lot of problems here. As you mentioned, three picks, you know, taking advantage of mistakes where they came up. And then the, the Wolfpack offense, you mentioned that, that NC State went down 3 nothing early in this game, but it wasn't because that they weren't able to move the ball. I mean, they, they scored a touchdown in their fourth drive of the game. On two of the first three, they had over 50 yards of offense. They just had a fumble in the first drive and turned it over on downs at the end of the third drive uh, on, on a fourth and goal from the one-yard line. So it was just kind of a matter of time before things kind of took over. And, and sure enough, uh, eventually this ends in a big old 41 to 17 win. And as we mentioned, uh, a good win for Dave Doran and apparently makes him deserving of an eight year contract extension, which careful. Yeah, not great. 
care for. Not great. And that's not to say that Dave Dorn's not the right coach for NC State. It's just that I don't know that he's done anything there yet that that warrants an eight-year contract extension linking him with the school and the school's financial situation. We'll just have to see. As, as a Georgia Tech fan, Mike, I can tell you all about why you shouldn't give coaches excessively long contracts. Uh, Notre Dame also knows. Oh, yeah. Um, Ty Willingham, Charlie Weiss, Brian Kelly, maybe? Uh, do you think Do you think Charlie Weiss is still like stopping by the Notre Dame athletic department like the first of the month to pick up his check kind of thing? So like paying rent? It just ended within the last six months. Well, good, good for Notre Dame. They finally got Charlie Weiss off the payroll. It's 2017, so good for them. That's one, hey, that's look, one more thing that's gone with 2016. That's good. Uh, that's that's right. Gone with the Wind, I guess. That's an old movie. That's from like the that, 40s, Mike. I've never seen the movie in my life. It just knew it was a thing. So, Good reference. Thank you. I can't tell you what. A single thing about that, so man, I to- moving on. I totally made I, up the fact that, that was from the forties. It's actually from nineteen thirty nine. How about that? How about that? You're off by uh circa one year. <laughs> okay. I think it was about about the time that the Notre Dame started paying Charlie Weiss. That's <laughs> That's right. Alright. Fine, moving on. Uh, NC State forty one, Vanderbilt seventeen from glorious, glorious Shreveport, Louisiana. Place Ew. must suck. Uh, yeah, not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last one here, Mike. Before we uh, we'll have to call this one off and then move on, and we're gonna preview the rest of the games in a in a second podcast here. The quick lane ball from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. This was easily the worst bowl game of bowl season. Nobody wanted to watch this. It was like a low scoring, ugly, nothing happened kind of game. Uh, and yet some wait, crap. Boston College 36, Maryland 30. This game, Blow your brains out. Hopefully Lord. you didn't bet on it. Oh, uh, yeah. Hopefully hopefully nobody else bet on it because I did, and uh, it, it ended about as you would expect to. I, I bet on this we, game to go under 43 and a half, and I was pulling my hair out watching the whole thing. This was maddening. Hey, but we kind of warned everybody about betting on bowl games. We Here it to, is. We don't have to heed our own advice. Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never. Oh, golly. This game, we were talking about it. So let's, you know, first of all, how did Boston College and Maryland combine for 66 points? Easy. Let's talk about the second quarter. Boston College, two-yard touchdown pass. Boston College, 22-yard field goal. Maryland, 62-yard touchdown run. Boston College, 20-yard touchdown pass. Maryland, 30-yard touchdown run. Boston College, 49-yard touchdown pass. That's four touchdowns of 20-plus yards. And when teams start reeling off big plays, even when their offenses are not remotely made to do that, it ends up just being a lot of points, Mike. Boston College scored 23 points by themselves in the second quarter. That kills me. Not even really with anybody's help. They, nobody even spotted them points, and they still got to twenty three in the second quarter. Uh, it's um, these teams managed to combine for over seven hundred yards of offense. Maryland, okay, let that sink in. Maryland Terrapins, Boston College Eagles, seventy six points. Boston College 
with its offense ranked outside of the top 100 teams of S&P Plus in offense, put up 36 points in a game. I'd... 36 points in a bowl game. It helps that there were six in turnovers. Detroit. Yeah, in, yeah, in Detroit. Of all in places. Detroit. That, that's, it's worth noting. Uh, this, this started out exactly how I thought it would, right? Because on the... On their second drive of the game, the fourth drive overall, Boston College gets the ball in plus territory, goes down, scores a touchdown, and then the PAT was blocked. And I was like, oh, this is the kind of game we're going to have. It's in the bag. Like, you know, under 43.5 is going to be no problem. And then it was almost gone by halftime. This, I, whatever. And somehow. further, but it's, uh. Yeah, Steve Adazio is to blame for this. He still has a job. I I am still bitter that Steve Adazio is not being fired after a seven win season. Yeah, he's going to continue to have a job too, Joey. He he sure will. Um, we're gonna have to do a, a post mortem. I I, I want to do a, a you know season recap for each of these teams in the ACC. For the Boston like College one, we've got to get Dan Rubin on here and figure out like what black magic they were working. I, I mean, this was. Man. Oh, by the way, I forgot about this. Mike, there was a a section of plays late in the game, and I want to find this drive because there was one point where Maryland had the ball uh, first and goal from the Boston College 2, and they ran like 11 plays, and they didn't score. Yep. That is how this game was supposed to go. Where was that the whole game? I'd like to remind you. 30 points by Maryland. 36 points by Boston College. 66 points. 700 yards of offense. We saw Patrick Tolles catch a touchdown pass. And yes, you heard that right. Patrick Tolles, who's lucky he can wash himself the way he plays quarterback (laughs) 90% of the time. And he caught a touchdown pass in this game. Oh, man. I don't know. Whatever. Also, I'd like to circle back. I think earlier I said 36 and 30 was 76. I'd like to let everybody know I am an accounting and finance major, and 30 plus 36 is 66, not 76. Uh, So I corrected myself the second time. Um, It's been been a long week back at work, huh? It has. (laughs) It has. It's been a long day and a half. So, Maryland's Ty Johnson, 15 carries for 159 yards and two touchdowns. Boston College's defense gave up that to Ty Johnson at Maryland. Like, I this game is just beyond explanation to me, Mike. I don't, I don't know how on earth we got here. What did we do to deserve this? We've been bashing on Boston College for ever, really. This is really a whole truckload of karma, isn't it? Yeah, and, and Ty Johnson, God bless him. I'm sure he's a great kid. I'm sure he, you know, <laughs> practices hard and stuff. But Does his homework. He eats his vegetables. Does his homework. Yeah, eats his vegetables. Um, comes from a great family. 159 yards rushing, two touchdowns against a Boston College rushing defense that is pretty good. Um, what are you doing, BC? What are you doing, Maryland? I mean, BC, hell. I mean, we're giving BC a hard time. BC won, won the bowl game. Yeah. What are you doing, Maryland? You're coming out of the Big Ten. You get beat up on by, like, crap teams. 
in the bottom part of your schedule. You've somehow scraped through to six wins. I, I mean, you know, you get housed by, you know, the best teams in the conference. You, you get crapped on by some of the lesser teams in the conference, but then you win a couple that you're not supposed to. You get a couple non-conference play, but you can't beat Boston College. This game, Sneaky, became, like, one of the most interesting, fun-to-watch, like, exciting games of bowl season. Don't, kind of don't super, do this to me. In a super don't, weird way. Don't do not do this to me. You're right. <laughs> but don't do this to me. And it didn't make any sense. The Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. We told everybody not to watch this game. We previewed this game and said nobody should watch this. And we're sitting here talking about how it ended up being one of the more interesting games of bowl season. You and I both watched it. I watched it in almost its entirety. I'm not sure how much of it you caught. It sounds like you caught a good bit of it, and you bet on it. Yeah. I'm not proud. I'm not proud. But it's, I will say, Boston College, good on you for coming away with a win here against an out-of-conference team that was, you know, you should probably have beaten. And you did. Good job. I think Good that's for it. them, right? I think that's it. Yeah, we should, yeah. We should probably get rid of this. Um, yeah, okay. Scrap it. Bye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Mike, let's recap real quick odds and wagers. So, again, my, my pick of the week uh, for these first six games, I had Maryland-BC to go under 43.5. Obviously, it did not. You whiff. Had, yeah, that was a big whiff. Uh, you had Pittsburgh to cover 3.5. They probably should whiff. have. They did not. So, the fortunes were not good. Um, luckily, they turned in the second half of bowl season – We'll talk about that here in a future podcast here in a little bit. But uh, for, for now, I mean, these six games, the first six games of bowl season for the ACC, the conference came away 5-1. and one. And and you can't really complain about that with the only loss being a, a semi-fluky one from, from Pittsburgh with some footing issues and some injuries and, and just some weirdness to that game. I mean, I was pretty impressed with how, how these teams performed uh, here with this first half of bowl season for the ACC, Mike. Uh, yeah, I was too. Uh, a lot of surprises with the quick lane ball, which we don't have to go o- over anymore. Um, the military ball, obviously, with Wake Forest playing a lot better than we expected. West Virginia only scoring 14 points on Miami was a surprise to me. And then the Pittsburgh-Northwestern game was just weird. But I thought the ACC performed pretty well overall. I was thinking about that, that I, I kind of halfway expected Boston College to win the quick lane bowl, not for any great reason. The one team that jumps out that I, I was shocked managed to win was was Wake Forest. Uh, I, I thought that they were going to be a you know a double digit loss here to Temple, and they come out and they win by eight, and they jumped all yep. over in the first half and, and really played well. So good on you, Wake Forest. That this was this is part of of the ACC kind of having such a dominant bowl season performance was that some of these, you know, middle-of-the-pack teams were able to come away with wins, and so uh, that was a really good performance. As you mentioned, Miami just totally dominating West Virginia's offense was a pleasant surprise as well, so a, a good win for the Hurricanes. Mike, any other uh, anything else you wanted to hit on before we get out of here? No, I'd just like to apologize to everybody for this podcast. <laughs> so, so. How is it we always end up spending like way more time on Boston College than we ever wanted to? I don't know. We gotta get Dan on so we can talk about him some more. Yeah, we gotta. Yeah, we can have a good so, uh, jo- a good therapy session. So I guess this is time to tell everybody. Joey and I have been lying. Um, I did not graduate from Virginia Tech. Joey did not graduate from Georgia Tech. We've <laughs> actually grown up huge Boston College fans our entire lives. So plot twist. It would make sense, wouldn't it? It. Uh, God, I hope not. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, we'll do that at some point post mortem. That'll be that'll be fun. Listen or Madazio actually gets himself fired. 
I uh, yeah, that's a topic for another day. We got to get. We'll get there. Yep. Mike, this has been fun for the most part, except for that Boston College part. We'll we'll stop crapping on them eventually, but uh, we yeah, will, probably not. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Uh, we're gonna come back here soon and uh, recap the second half of bowl games. Yep, sounds good. And then we've got a, a national title game to preview as well, so stay tuned. All right, well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Go ACC. 